Students, happy Monday. It's July 11th. We missed you last week. Oh, you guys can't believe what Brother Wing and I have been doing the last few weeks. Brother Wing, it's good to have you with us. You're Oh, by the way, everybody, you're listening to Answers to Gospel Questions. And this is me, Brother Lawson. I'm with Brother Wing. Brother Wing, what have we been doing? Oh, man, we have been enjoying some FSY time for the Strength yes. of Youth programs all around the country. It's been really fun. And I haven't slept a lot. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's been fun. I've been in Georgia, Brother Wing, and I hung out a little bit in Louisiana last week, but we're back for you. We missed last week, but we got you this week. There's uh, there's a lot of stuff to cover this week, uh, in, but we're, we're, we're committed. It's going to be a short podcast, uh, and but you're going to not want to do short scripture study if you really want to get this stuff. So... Brother Wing, today we're going to talk about, we're going to answer the question, how do I overcome wickedness? Especially, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, would we say perpetual wickedness, perpetual evil, like generational, that's what I'm thinking of, generational wickedness, where uh, a tra- the traditions of your father have been anti-gospel, and now how do you make them how do you how do you break that chain, that generational chain, and start and start living the gospel of Jesus Christ? I think we have a great example in the book of Second Kings about how that happens, and it might not be as hard as you think, and it actually could be harder than you think as well in some some cases. So let's uh, let's kind of set the stage, Brother Wing. We've got two groups, right? We got Israel split up into the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. Uh, they're they're struggling to the, with idols still. <laughs> like the more and more I read the Old Testament, the more I realize like idols, idols are their thing. Like they just cannot get over. Like ever since Egypt, I mean, for a thousand years more, it's always going to be idols. The uh, is is going to be the big temptation. So what else? Any other background we need to know about this? Yeah. So the Northern Kingdom has been destroyed. Chapter seventeen kind of highlights that destruction they've never had a righteous king in their in their entire existence and assyria finally comes in and in my words just kind of puts them out of their misery you know they're just they've suffered in wickedness for all that time and then finally they're destroyed but they're but they're so when you say destroyed what do you mean yeah so they they kind of annihilate them in their government power but then they take survivors they don't want to kill everybody Instead, mm-hmm. they just take survivors and they just kind of scatter them throughout oh, the area. The scattering of Israel. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an interesting word. And and so it and therefore these people kind of over time lose their identity. They just yeah. kind of mix in with the populations around them and they don't, you know, later on don't connect themselves as being a part of Israel or connected mm-hmm. with Jehovah or covenants. And so yeah, they're in a great word to use here is lost. Yeah. Oh, like the lost tribes of Israel. I've yeah. heard that phrase before. The um, so we've we talk about scattering or we talk about gathering. The gathering of Israel takes place when we make covenants. I would suppose the scattering of Israel then takes place when we break covenants or we choose not to make them. And if if Israel would have made and kept covenants, they would have received the protection offered by those covenants. But at this time. They're not. And so those are the northern tribes and the southern kingdom. 
we've got two tribes. We got Judah and Benjamin. They're struggling as well. But in walks a dude uh, named Hezekiah. All right. Hezekiah becomes the king. His dad is not a very righteous guy. Uh, so what do we learn about Hezekiah in chapter 18? That's amazing to see. And you talked about it before that there's this kind of multi-generational wickedness going mm-hmm. on. And, you know, especially from the northern kingdom, but in the southern kingdom, too. And so what kind of what kind of gumption and drive and inspiration and gumption. power? <laughs> yeah, I like that word. What kind of what, what would all that take to then alter the course, you know, and change all of this? So you're not just saying, OK, I'm going to do something differently. Now you've got all this kind of bad momentum and, you know, carrying you in a way. And so when it says in verse three of chapter 18, second Kings, he Hezekiah did that, which was right in the sight of the Lord. That's a pretty amazing statement. Yeah. uh, It's pretty amazing. And, you know, I like the next phrase, according to all that David, his father did. Well, his father is Ahaz. His dad is Ahaz, who was wicked, but his father, meaning the righteous this prototype of righteousness that Mm -hmm. David kind of um, held in the minds of the Israelites at this point. Um, He did the good part of what David did. Um, So he's connecting more with a righteous ancestor than his own dad, which probably indicates that Hezekiah was reading the scriptures. Yeah, I think so too. Not only that, not only because he, he knows what David did, uh, but also back in second Kings 17, Um, you have this little phrase in verse 13, it says, yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers saying, turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to the law, which I commanded your fathers and which I sent unto you by my servants, the prophets. And so, and so Hezekiah has got, he's, he's got scriptures or he's got words of prophets. Somehow he's reading those and, and, and learning those, but he also has living prophets who are saying the same thing, who are saying, Hey, you need to repent. You need to change. Uh, he, in verse 13 of chapter 17, it, they, they kind of indicate, Hey, go back and read what we've said to you before, what prophets have said in the past. And so I don't think Hezekiah's choice to, when he becomes king to, uh, to start really changing things around in, in Israel. I don't think it is just him cold Turkey doing that. I think it's a calculated response to, uh, to requests and, and the preaching of, of prophets, which he believed, he believed those prophets. And so when he gets in power in second Kings 18, he starts doing some serious stuff, right? So um, in verse four, it says he removed, the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. Uh, so we got him wiping out idols, cutting down groves. Groves are places where terrible law of chastity type thing, breaking law of chastity would take place. And then he did something really interesting, brother. Wayne. I want you to tell me what you think about this. The next thing that he did was he broke in pieces, the brazen serpent that Moses had made that, you know, that, the, the, the serpent that Moses raised up on the staff so that everyone could look at when the fiery serpents were biting them and they're dying. Like, why would he break that? That's kind of a cool little symbol there. I know. I'm like, it kind of hurt me because this is one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. let's hang on to that. I'll take it. I'll take it. You're going to break it. I'll just put it in my basement. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could put that on eBay and probably yeah. make some. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if this is the point, I suppose, is that they had started to draw more attention to this than to Jehovah. And now that object becomes mm. a false god again. And so it's like, hey, that's got to go too. It would, it would almost be like maybe uh, like, like praying to a CTR ring, having faith in our CTR ring that somehow our CTR ring was going to help me choose, was going to be what helped me choose the right instead of our agency in the Holy Ghost. Instead. Or even the, the, the oil that we use for in priesthood blessings that right. we think that that has some kind of magical power aside from uh, the Lord and the righteousness that's necessary to access that power. Or even, how about this, Brother Wayne, or even the temple garment. The temple garment isn't what protects us, uh, but rather it's a reminder that will protect us uh, against sin and temptation. And so, there's no, it's not, I know some people call magical underwear or something like that, but there was nothing magical about the brazen serpent. There's nothing magical about your CTR ring, uh, or there's nothing magical about if, if you've been to the temple and received the temple garment, there's nothing magical about that, but rather they're reminders. And when we remember, uh, when we remember, that's when it's easier for us to keep commandments. And unfortunately, Israel had forgotten. And so, uh, and so Hezekiah is doing things that's going to ultimately help them remember. I like verse five, where he says, he, Hezekiah, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, right? And that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. So Hezekiah has, is converted and he wants, ev he wants everyone else to be converted. Any other, yes. any other thoughts in there? And uh, in those first few verses of chapter 18, brother wing. Yeah, I think it's, there's a great point about likening the scriptures to us. And a little scripture study technique that I like to use sometimes is just to, to highlight the action words, you know, the verbs that are in here of what Hezekiah did. And it kind of helps me to then translate that into my own world, because I may not have a brazen serpent in front of me or, uh, you know, an image like that. But what needs to be broken or cut down, you know, and it might just be a thought pattern you know, that yeah. needs to be cut off, or I need, I might need to break uh, a uh, connection to some, something else that's going on in my life. That's really interfering with my, my relationship with God or just kind of um, other things. But I think those words like break, cut down, remove, you know, those are, those are good ones that that's the kind of aggressive work that we need to do to kind of change the momentum. That's what Hezekiah is doing here. And then the positive ones in verses five and six about that. He trusted the Lord. He clave to the Lord departed, not uh, from following him and kept his commandments. I mean, there, there again, so there's this kind of cut off the evil influence, you know, that's really interfering and afflicting you. Mm -hmm. And then now turn and trust and cleave to the Lord, uh, keep his commandments by making that decision, now we can we change the trajectory of what's really going on. I like that you and, mentioned that. Remind me of what President Nelson said when he talked about we got to do something to get some momentum going. It might be removing something. Uh, and again, Hezekiah and the and his his uh, and those people are with them. They had some momentum. In fact, the Lord said. Uh, the Lord was with them and he prospered. Verse seven, the Lord was with them and, pro and pros prospered whithersoever he went forth. I was just thinking of a basketball 
analogy. There was this dude that played basketball for BYU a long time ago. He was seven foot six. His name was Sean Bradley. And he was like, I mean, when you got a guy that's seven foot six, he could block everybody's shot. He was, uh, you know, he was going to obviously play in the NBA and stuff like that. But he was a freshman. So he's young. There was a senior on the basketball team. His name was Gary Trost, and he was not seven foot six. He, uh, he was like six foot, six foot nine, still pretty tall. But there was a few times where Sean Bradley, as a freshman, just wasn't uh, he wasn't performing like you would expect a, a seven foot six guy to do. And so they would throw in this uh, this other guy, this senior, six foot nine, kind of had some experience. And he oftentimes was just the spark that the team needed to get going in the, in the game. And so it, Sean Bradley obviously was the best player on the team, but sometimes that sometimes during that season, they had to remove him in order to get some momentum going. And, uh, and, and I think the same thing applies to us. I love what you said. There might be something in your life that, um, that you love that you think that is super important for you to succeed but if that thing is keeping you from from developing that spiritual momentum that you need to really go to the next level spiritually speaking it might be good to take a break from that for a while whether that's a cell phone whether that's a person uh whatever it might be it might be good to consider that yeah and i like that basketball analogy because sometimes we kind of know what we need to do. We know what we need to cut off and we just kind of hesitate in that moment of like, right. can I really do this? And we, we kind of pause there and, and we need a little bit of a kickstart, like that mm-hmm. one basketball player that get in there and get things going. And, right. and to me, that's where scripture comes in. You need a little kickstart, get, get into these stories, uh, find it, find a phrase that connects with you. Listen to the Holy ghost. Um, there's a, there's some great inspiration here about getting moving and the yeah. Holy ghost is the best motivator to get us going in the direction that we already know we should. Excellent. Students. We're glad to be back with you. Uh, we're, we hope you come to our Institute class. Are we going to teach our Institute class tomorrow. Oh yeah. All right. Tomorrow, eight 30 central time. Uh, get the link from us, share it with your friends. We'd love to have a big old group on there. It would be fun for the whole family. We'd love your guts, everybody. Stay righteous.